All right, so understanding that no two cases are the same, understanding that that every case is going to be a little different. But when it comes to prosecutors and judges and the whole judicial system, when it comes to pleading charges down to to prompt a guilty plea, um, what goes into that? What what are, what are what are the the nuts and bolts and in, in the consideration of of pleading down? Uh, charges for a suspect and 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 just kind of what goes into that that's where todd flood steps in attorney at flood law uh todd it's good to have you with us uh, obviously i'm sure you've been following this this heartbreaking case of of two-year-old winter green um but horrific but I, horrific horrific case it, it is horrific and i want to focus on now the the clear suspect in this case um yeah. be, because this is a guy 26 years old uh, he is being charged as a fourth, four-time habitual offender. He was already on probation after pleading guilty to five different federal charges, um, and he was on on probation. So, how is it that this guy is able to walk around the streets? Well, remember an adage we take in in the courts: good cases don't go to trial. So, normally, if it's a good case for the defense, the prosecution gives you an offer you can't refuse. If it's a good case for the prosecution, the defense is trying to eke out some sort of plea bargain in a case. As it relates to this animal, that uh, this man that committed these, this heinous crime uh, beyond comprehension, um, we don't know the facts and circumstances. He may have picked up one uh, case that had five different counts or four different counts in one setting, making him an habitual fourth. Pleading the case out was the defense attorney and the prosecution weighing whether or not they had a good case to go to trial or not. At the end of the day, when you have someone that's walking around on probation and is not being monitored, uh, for whatever reason, or is being monitored, but not really having a thorough monitor on him as far as checking in, finding out, you know, his uh, stability, because obviously this is a man that's uh, either one, serious mental illness, two, drugs, three, all of the above. Um, and you, you need to have some prophylactic measure that, you know, I hate to hate to use this uh, this soundboard, but the resources, the resources to monitor, to have probation officers, because there's a lot of great ones. Uh, I know them and they, they work their tails off, but there's not enough. And when you, when you are, uh, basically trying to, uh, uh, not over, you know, fill jails and prisons and you're trying to rehabilitate, you're also an attempt making sure that you have some sort of good monitoring on this uh, particular person on probation. But you know what's scary to me is um, this man didn't wake up one day and commit this heinous of a crime. Right. This, this is some, someone that is disturbed. And how is it that all the system missed that disturbance? I see people with cases that have been denied bond that had committed a case allegedly 25 years ago and, mm. and not picked up another one. Now you see someone like this guy out there. How was it missed? And I'm just going to go back to the adage. We, we, we have to have the right people in the right seats 
and we have to have the resources to support them. There's so much technology out there. There's so, so many different types of resources. We have to have it. And I could go on and on and on, but that is, is something that I want to see, and I think a lot of people want to see in our criminal justice system. So is, is, is it just a matter of money? Is it just a matter of funds to be able to, 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 to adequately staff probation offices and, and officers and making sure that, that they're not overwhelmed? Is that, is that kind of the main answer? It's one of the big ones, financial funding, finding the right people, too, right? right? You know, right. you, you got to have, I mean, you, you try to hire somebody today. I interviewed 20 people for a position. I thought I owed them something when they walked out the door. <laughs> At the end of the day, you got to find the right people for the right seat that care. You got to care about the place you live. You got to care about the job you want. And it's difficult, but they're out there. They're there. And there's there's a process to inspire these young younger people uh, to to get into uh, you know the positions that they find a passion for, just need to do it, and it, it's one the people, two it's the resources. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the bottom line. I, so. I I know that you also follow what's happening with the Supreme Court. Um, they're going to be considering a case as it pertains to, and, and this I I tie this in with with this winter. Uh, Smith story because sure. there was a domestic uh, abuse here uh, and and the Supreme Court in in D.C. is considering whether or not domestic abusers have the right to carry firearms. Now, I just want to provide a little bit of background for folks. In 2019, this guy down in Texas assaulted his girlfriend. She filed for a, he threatened to shoot her. She filed for a restraining order and got it in a matter of weeks. This guy was involved in five different shootings uh ranging from road rage shootings to just shooting a gun in the air because a guy he was with uh didn't get the proper order at a fast food restaurant and because of other uh legal precedent and decisions from various courts uh this guy was charged he was sentenced to prison um but because of those cases the way they played out he was he had that his record expunged. So he is free. Well, I, I'll give you a little bit of background. So and it, it, it starts with the United States Supreme Court and the New York uh, case Correct. of Bruin. You may remember that case, but in the, in the, I think the court got it right. But they just really screwed up uh, the next set of cases coming down because they they totally abolished a balancing test and Bruin. Basically, they said, hey, listen, you, you, you can't have this second step in New York City to have someone, you know, decide whether or not you have a special need for a gun. OK, fine. So what do they do? They say the Supreme Court will look back in history and see if what they did in history and if it was applicable back then. They don't give you a date. So this guy that you just mentioned, Rihanna, that uh, the Supreme Court is considering taking up, he in turn commits a domestic violence, um, you know, and he gets a restraining order put on him. He's not allowed to have a gun. He gets a gun. Jury convicts him. He appeals. The appellate court, he argues this. Back in 19, it goes somewhat like this, back in 1868, they didn't have any kind of prohibition on domestic violence uh, uh, offenders having a gun. So what happened? 
the case that he was convicted on got reversed because of the United States Supreme Court basically abolishing, saying we'll go back in time. Well, what's wild about that case is back in 1868, they didn't have domestic violence. Right. They didn't have marital rape. They didn't have these crimes. So it, it's wild to me, but normally, not to get too much into the weeds, cases are usually used in the Supreme Court. We get tests. We get a balancing test. And the balancing test, like, say, for example, you want to hold the parade. You go to the, to the city. You say, I want to get a parade permit. Okay, that's fine. That's legal. But it's not okay if I charge you $100,000 to hold your parade. That's usury. That's not acceptable. So we do a balancing test. Here, the Supreme Court basically took away that balancing test. What does that mean? Well, you know what? How old should you be, Chris, to own a gun? I have, you know, three kids back when they were eight and nine. I don't think that's a good age for them to hold a gun. But the Constitution is silent on the age. Nowadays, you know, well, let's balance it. We send a, a young man at 17 to war. We have him kill the enemy. But he comes back into civilian life over here, not allowed to have a gun. There's a balance to it. The Supreme Court took away that balance. And I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have no problem. But I don't like the textual spot of it. Well, it the historical precedent is what doesn't make sense. So then, so then what is your, your, your gut on how they rule on this? It's always interesting. Let's watch the Supreme Court because they're, they're going to see their folk pause. And I believe it happens all the time. You will see some justice, justices peel back their opinion in mm. Bruin and they won't follow along. They'll start to see the error of their ways. If they follow Bruin, you're going to see the case out of no New York balancing. Yep. yep. If they follow that down the line, I think oh. you're going to see more errors in this. And it's it really, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, hey, listen, the right to bear sure. arms, does that mean you got the right to bear <laughs> a nuclear weapon? It's a great no, question. Right? Uh, Todd Flood, I'm up against it. Appreciate the time as always. Got to take a break.